0: From The Advocate magazine, this is lgbtq and a. I'm Jeffrey Masters, and today I'm talking to Kate Bornstein. We talk mainly about gender. Where we're at, where we're going, the future of gender. This is from somebody who's been studying and writing about it for over 30 years. Kate is one of the most prominent non-binary voices in the world. And on a personal note, somebody whose work has been transformative in terms of my own life. How I perceive and experience my own gender. And then please remember to subscribe to the podcast, subscribe, rank us five stars, leave a comment. These are all things that help new people find our show. So big thank you to everyone who's been doing that. And then as always, don't forget to check out our old home at TV. They're the number one place for all your TV after show discussions. All right, without further ado, here's Kate. So you've been writing about being non-binary for almost 30 years. And rereading your work recently, I'd forgotten that you were not always embraced by the trans and larger LGBTQ community.
1: I'm still not embraced by the larger LGBT and trans community. I think I'm celebrated by the larger uh, community. And that's great, because I'm celebrated as an elder. And I feel very warmly about uh even people who are upset with me. Um, uh, because you go, oh, isn't that sweet? You know, they're they're working as hard as they can and they do not see yet what I've been trying to say for quite a while.
0: Oh, what is that?
1: That there's more to gender than two.
0: Oh, I'm really surprised to hear you say that because I know that for the majority of your career you're writing about gender being not binary, the spectrum. And for a large part of your career, that was a theory as we talked about it. But I feel like nowadays we talk about that as fact. More and more
1: people do talk about gender as a spectrum. But when we get into the notion of a spectrum, um, to start with gender exists in or existed in two dimensions. Imagine an XY graph, male and female. Okay, so everything depended somewhere in the plane defined by male and female, including a spectrum anywhere you want, on male to female. That's still two-dimensional thinking. A third dimension that a whole lot of us, yes, I've got a loud voice, but it was, it was an amazing explosion of people who were going, wait a minute, wait a minute, what about imagination? There's a third dimension of gender, imagination. And this puts gender beyond male and female. And instead of an X, Y graph, now we've got this kind of globe or cube, whatever shape you want to make it in. And then if you really want to get tricky and talk about gender fluidity, then we're talking four, four dimensions because we have to add time. People talk about gender as if it is unchanging over time. But we're always changing our genders. And the problem is when people think that gender is the same all the time for everyone.
0: And your thinking on that has actually evolved, right? You used to write that everybody was outside of binary, but it seems like you've changed on that.
1: I still think
0: that I I I think it's paradoxical
1: yes everybody's outside the binary because the binary is a construct but the truth is every many many people are binary identified that doesn't mean they're not outside the binary it means they've made the decision to act and live and be in a binary because that is what is comfortable to many people of course and that i've never never had objections to what i have objections to is that holding sway over people who don't want that
0: so what is the the argument against you you've said that you've been denounced over and over by the trans (laughs) community you being non-binary is not actually harmful to me so is the argument that it is harmful towards the larger movement of acceptance for trans people? This gets back to
1: my loud voice. I, I, I take up a lot of space. Um, you know, I'm, I'm a known character. And when I say, I'm not a woman, <sighs> somehow people hear that and go, well, Kate Bornstein's not a woman. So what about you? And you go, oh, okay. And this is the way people think, Um, the tall poppy syndrome, it's known as in Australia. What I say is assumed to be true for a whole lot of people, and it's not. And and, and I've tried to make that point that it's not, um, but that's not heard. Oh, so you're spoiling it for the rest of us Is, is a common, common problem. Oh, and in, in, in any uh, area, it can be a common problem. In race, it can be a common problem. Uh, in within a religion, wait, no, no, no. Uh, Dalai Lama doesn't speak for all Buddhists. He doesn't say he does. That sort of a thing.
0: I have to wonder if these arguments against you are coming from the older segment of our population, because the younger segment I hear really like confirming everything that you're saying and repeating it back.
1: I agree. There's a large number of young folks that I just go, "Oh, baby, I love you so much. You are living the life I've always wanted to live." And yes, 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 yes. These are uh, and 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 still there are degrees of that. I think um, there was a massive millennial survey done by Huffington Post five six years ago, uh, over a thousand. People were asked questions so all over this country It was an American survey, and they 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 were very careful to go across demographics and well over fifty percent of millennials understand gender as a spectrum, and you go "Wow, wow and again that that's wonderful so yes and These are people you meet. Remember, um, the people we meet, the people we hang out with, are not the majority of the people in the world. We've still a long way to go. I think people are understanding the notion of what people now know as transgender a lot better. Oh, you're really a woman. Oh, I get it. Or, oh, you're really a man. I get it. Um, That is gaining traction in the world and that's really cool i think the people the number of people objecting to that are in fact the old farts you know my generation and we'll be dead pretty soon so that's a good news
0: i think too i hear the I think we used to believe the notion that in order to gain public acceptance and to pass laws to protect us, we needed to propagate a single narrative about being trans, about being anything, and that we couldn't complicate narratives because it's unhelpful in that realm, when really, if we don't complicate narratives, we leave people out. And I think trans people know that better than anyone. You were right up until trans people know that better than everyone. <laughs> okay, tell me why. <laughs> um,
1: okay, there, there's an idea that trans is somehow monolithic. It's not. I wish it were. Um, when I was coming out, when I was exploring all this stuff in the in, in the eighties uh there were transsexuals and these were people who uh these were men women boys girls who had transitioned or were about to transition from one to another to another gender uh there were transvestites people who dressed up and for various reasons, enjoyed it, did it for sex, did it in secret, did it on the street and celebrated it. They were transvestites. They were street fairies. You know, uh, there, but there weren't, there wasn't much else to be a real transsexual in those days. You needed a medical stamp of approval, which included, okay, you need hormones and surgery. And then you were a real transsexual. Well, in the late 80s, people started adding the qualifier. Uh, are you a post-op transsexual? Are you a non-op transsexual? Uh, are you a pre-op transsexual? And all of a sudden, that got cool. And then the word transsexual did, was was really excluding people. So we used transgender to include anyone who was fucking around with gender at all and so transgender has been the inclusive term for a long time until may of 2014 when time magazine came out with laverne cox on the cover and said the transgender tipping point and i saw that and um, I had, I, that month is when I finished my chemotherapy for lung cancer. It's all gone now. I'm happy it's all gone. Um, but I'm reading this thing. I'm going, what do you mean transgender tipping point? Because I knew like thousands and thousands of people were nowhere near a tipping point because of their transness. They couldn't get jobs. They were, harassed in the street or beat up or killed that's not anywhere near a tipping point point. and then i got it transgender had been redefined in the mainstream transgender replaced the word transsexual because now when most people hear the word transgender uh they think oh a man a woman a boy a girl has transitioned or about to transition from another gender great the great stride that transgender people in those terms have made is that it is no longer tied to a medical decree. Uh, doesn't need hormones, doesn't need surgery. So we've improved light years from when I was going through this. But there's so many people in the, the inclusive word is now trans. So many people are, do not define themselves by any kind of binary, that these people eh, don't fit in the word transgender anymore. And what happens in the transgender community is the T in LGBT is transgender, not trans. Trans now falls in the Q. Because we add the dimension of imagination and time to our understanding of gender more than a spectrum. uh, Many transgender people understand themselves to be along on a spectrum. But many trans people go, nowhere near that, honey bunny.
0: Just nowhere near that. We're talking about all of these changing words. Mm -hmm. And when you were writing, I believe it was in the 90s, Gender Outlaws you wrote, I'm not a man and I'm not a woman. Gender Outlaw Singular.
1: Gender Outlaws was another book. Um, oh, was it?
0: Yes. <laughs> oh. <laughs> um, but you wrote, I'm not a man, I'm not a woman, period. And the sentence stopped. And now we have this word non-binary. Did that word exist back then? No, no. We didn't know what to call the system.
1: Um, I think I called it the bipolar gender system. And and it wasn't being tongue-in-cheek. It was There were there was a, a line, there were two poles to it. But yeah, the only way I could define myself well was by what I was not. I, I said, I'm not man, not woman. That's me.
0: And do you still feel more comfortable with saying what you're not? Or are you okay, now okay with this like positive word?
1: I like the positive word because it also expresses what we are in the negative. It's... um. When we start saying, here's what I am in the positive, that time drops out of the equation because whatever we say we are is going to change. But whatever we say we're not, that's not going to change. Do you remember when you found the word non-binary? I think that was happening while I was undergoing chemotherapy. And so that's all a fog. That's pretty recent. Yes. I, I wasn't very aware of it for a long time.
0: It's just amazing that this has all happened in your in your lifetime. Yeah. That's exciting. It's so
1: gratifying um, to have been able to be there when a whole lot of us
0: were planting seeds. And
1: it's harvest
0: time. <laughs> uh, and while we're talking about language, too, and the evolving uh evolving perception of gender, our understanding. Has your feeling on the word tranny evolved? I know you self-identify as that. Yeah.
1: I I I I don't insist on it with people. I know anymore. I know that I know that it can be triggering in the old sense of the word trigger, in that people who have been traumatized When they hear the word tranny mixed with the tone anger, or even not, um, for those of you who are upset by it now, my sincere regret to hear that you've been traumatized.
0: I think that the unfortunate part is that the origin of the word and what it communicates is beautiful. Thank you. Do you mind telling like the story of how the word came to be and like what it means before it was a hate word?
1: Yeah, yeah. Uh, the word tranny was coined in the late '70s in Sydney, Australia, um, when the only work that trans people could get tr- were the drag bars. Nobody would hire. Trans people again, they were transsexuals, transvestites, street fairies, and the only way they could make a living was in the economic matrix that is was and is the the drag bar which uh, women would be bartenders and introduce the acts. Um, street fairies would hand out flyers and get paid for that. And the height would be, you know, the drag queens who would do the actual performing. And then there was a hierarchy in there, but they all got together. And if you remember, uh, Priscilla Queen of the Desert, the, the animosity of the transsexual and the, then the drag queen. And then we just, I'm better than you. I'm better than you. It's been going on for a long time. But what they realized is, yeah, but we're family. And we need a family word. And Australians don't like words longer than two syllables. Australians becomes Aussies. Sunglasses become sunnies. Barbecues become Barbies. And trans people became trannies. It was that simple. And so they were trannies. It was family. And that would calm things down and we go, okay, we are family. Okay, great. It's a lot how many, many people use the word trans now.
0: As this umbrella term.
1: Yeah, uh, an, an inclusive term. Now, the wonderful drag queens of the day started moving to the States. Uh, Doris Fish in particular in the early 80s. And brought the word with her, and of course, then there were the transvestites and transsexuals and street fairies and and every oh yeah, we're all trannies together and male to female and butch butch women and passing women yeah we're all trannies together, uh, and then sex workers trannies trannies and this is where it came a cropper because sex workers and porn spilled over into the cis, which wasn't the word, world, and people were ashamed. Men, particular cis men, were ashamed of their attraction to trannies and tranny porn and tranny sex workers. And so because of their shame and self-loathing, they aimed that word as a hate word. Now, does that mean it is not a hate word today? No, it is a hate word today, and that's what I've come to understand. Um, what I ask is that when trans people hear me use the word tranny, give me the benefit of the doubt. I'm not saying it with hate or anger or disparity, disparagingly. Um, and neither are many people, not only of my generation, but younger generation trans people also use the word tranny, um, especially like within and 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 the animosity between drag queens and trans trans women, it's still there. That's heartbreaking to me, RuPaul. Oh my golly! What? Uh, no, I love RuPaul, and RuPaul calls himself a tranny nigger faggot, and you go, oh, do I love you, baby? Uh, RuPaul, RuPaul has the kind of courage I wish I had, and wow on the talent. Uh, does RuPaul make mistakes? Of course, everybody makes mistakes, and 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 okay. Again, we're family benefit of the doubt please so the the place where trans is becoming a true or more true melting pot in pub in the public view is in fact rupaul's drag race because many of the girls several of the girls have come out as transgender and you go oh i get it no it's not clear yet it's not one narrative as you're saying um but they're messing with gender drag queens mess with gender and break all kinds of rules of gender trans women mess with gender even though they are binary identified one of the cardinal rules of gender is once you've been assigned gender you cannot change it so that's breaking a rule of gender that's Being an outlaw in a lot of people's eyes, you're breaking God's rule in many people's eyes. So the fact of law breaking, the breaking of natural laws, is common to both drag queens and trans men and trans women. And I just wish they would go, ah, and and give each other a hug.
0: I know this is unanswerable, but what do you think is next? Where do you think we're going in terms of gender? What is the future of gender?
1: Queer. Uh, The future of gender is its dissolution. The word non-binary is is heralding that. To say non-binary gender is oxymoronic because gender in most people's point of view is the binary and what is a binary if you all right here we go if you can imagine a circle like a line a circle uh and everything about gender is inside that circle everything misogyny queens kings uh, men women boys girls butchers femmes everything is in that circle makeup uh, jock straps everything is in there and divide that circle in half Okay, everything has to be on one side or the other. Nothing can be on both sides of that line. Nothing can be straddling the line. Nothing can go through that line. Nothing can be outside the circle. That's the binary. We don't really think of the binary as anything more than an either or, which is doesn't take into account the matrix of it all. The, you know, the effect of the binary um uh, which says don't change you're not allowed to change now we shatter the the, the well, before we shatter the binary trying to get through that line and say wait a minute wait a minute you're making more money per hour than i am is crossing the line and it's seen as an attack Any kind of going to the other side is presumed as an attack and and, and an appropriation, and you're taking what's mine. So the the nature of the binary is the nature of a battlefield. It, It can't be anything else. That's all there is. That's what happens when you have either or. Okay. Shatter the binary. Wow can't be done but we can be done in, on an individual basis we go Boop, don't believe in it and out we go and i'm non-binary and all of a sudden gender is still the circle everything about genders is still the circle but now there's lots of stuff inside there's a uh a a spectrum inside the circle. There are binaries inside the circle. There are men and women. There are butchers and femmes. There's little binaries floating around inside the circle. Uh, There's spirals. There's spirals in motion. There's globes. There's all kinds of ways of looking at gender. And these ways of looking at gender can grow in terms of the space they occupy. They can shrink in terms of the space they occupy. But they can move around without being seen as attacking anyone else. And so the nature of this new way of looking at the binary, uh, looking at gender, without binary is any phenomenon defined by two and two only components. What we have now is a pollinary. It's a real word, P-O-L-Y-N-A-R-Y. It's a pollinary. And a pollinary is any phenomenon defined by more than two elements. It's as simple as that. And the nature of a pollinary is the nature of a playground. Uh, there's a possibility for coalition, there's a possibility for cooperation. There never was that in the binary. Now I wrote these words. Uh, in a play called Hidden Agenda, which predated my book Gender Outlaw. And I said, well, Gender is not the battlefield, it's the playground. I was very, very full of myself. And I really didn't know what I was talking about. I knew that gender was a battlefield. And I knew that gender was a playground. But I never really knew the mechanics for that. Now I know that. So I really haven't. So much progressed in my thinking. I still think the same way, not man, not woman, but I'm a lot more nuanced in my thinking and a lot more forgiving of people who don't agree
0: with me. (laughs) I mean, for me, reading your book as a non-trans person, uh, it caused me to engage with my gender in ways that I never had and didn't know I was allowed to. And so I could be less rigid with my masculinity. I didn't have to follow historical or societal gender norms. And I think that that has to be where we're heading for everyone, too, in terms of the future. And I hope so, at least.
1: (laughs) I hope so, too. Sexuality is, uh, is also headed in that direction. The binary of hetero and homo was broken by bisexual and further broken by pansexual and asexual and ways of describing sexuality that have nothing to do with gender uh BDSM furries uh this is wonderful this is this is just a wonderful thing and these two are coming hand in hand and i think as soon as people understand pansexuality polyamory and non-binary these concepts are entering the culture very slowly and what these concepts are pansexuality polyamory and non-binary are saying neither nor they're saying there is a pollinary there is a way of looking at the phenomenon of gender and the phenomenon of sexuality as being composed of more than two parts and that's what's entering the mainstream very, very slowly. And I think if drag queens and trans women and trans men were to heal that wound and model that for the uh the mainstream, that would that would go a long way in forwarding and getting that future closer to hand. Maybe I'd live long enough to see that. That would be hot.
0: Yeah, and I don't want to keep blaming the older generations, but it was the younger drag queen that spoke out against RuPaul and said, no, 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 we accept trans people. Well, they, trans people can be drag queens. And uh, it was good to hear those rebuttals against somebody so beloved as RuPaul. Yeah, and I, I, RuPaul is coming to see
1: that. Um, they're still – both exist. Drag queen is its own identity trans woman is its own identity and a person can be both it's it's not either or it's and and that's the idea that i think is the future of gender
0: i think to trans people it's an identity and drag queen it's a profession and we're allowed any profession we want no no
1: no you
0: don't think Oh, no darling (laughs) no drag queen
1: is an identity uh and a profession but what you know this is all right, I've heard the argument. Well, they're not really trans because they get to take their
0: makeup off.: But they do gender fuck.
1: Yes. Um Have you seen a drag queen out of drag?: Yes. They're screaming faggots. You know? They're just like they get picked on and beat up as easily as any trans person. It's not, you know, they don't go, oh, now I've got uh, cis privilege. No, they don't. And please understand that. Now, female impersonators is another question. Yes, they impersonate women. There are beauty contests for that. And part of that contest is when you're out of your female drag, are you a real man? And if you're not, you lose points. Not so with drag. Drag is understood to be an identity. And whether you're wearing it or not. And yes, it's also a job. It's how you make money. Remember going back to what I was saying about Australia. It's the only place you can make a nickel. Um, That's still the case for people who just don't, whose gender expression is never in any way can be binary.
0: Well, I think that it, begins with with men who are generally in power uh, because for women, they, they're allowed more flexibility in expressing their gender and behaving that way. Mm-hmm. And so it, it's up to men to begin the change mm-hmm. since they're at the top. Does that sound like horrible?
1: No, no. Uh, it's not up to it, it, it. I see what you're saying. It's going to take that. It's also going to take Here's what's never spoken about in terms of gender. The desirability of trans. When you have someone who's mixing the signals, who's going, well, male and female, all at the same time, masculine and feminine, and that's an attraction, that's a
0: turn-on, that's seen as perversion.
1: Uh,
0: I think that that goes to what I think is so important about your work, because you do not shy away from writing about sex. And I I fear, one of my fears is that because we now know that we cannot talk to a trans person about their private parts (laughs) in publicly, I worry that it has taken away all sex and sexual desire from all public conversations of trans people. I wanna just
1: a little tweak on that truth of yours you just spoke. You can't speak with a transgender person about their private parts. Um that's no that, you know the, the the that degree of respect is part of being transgender nowadays. Um but you can speak with most trans people about it. You can speak with a tranny about it, you can speak with a drag queen about it if you want to, if they want you to. There's that possibility. Um I mean they're talking about tucking and untucking all the time. Um so there's a difference. There's, there's, straight and gay are also, or straight and queer, excuse me. Straight and queer are, is a binary that's shifted in its understanding. It used to mean straight used to mean hetero and queer used to mean homo. It's way beyond that now. Straight is the conservative wing of sex and gender discourse. Queer is the radical wing of sex and gender discourse so uh everybody's got a little of both uh what's what's conservative well don't talk about my private parts i don't want you to and I, i'm i not comfortable with it and don't ask me what i do in my bedroom with my lover that's none of your fucking business well i, I think- right that's that's straight yeah queer would be You want to see my surgery? Oh my God. And I just got a piercing on the end. Oh, well, you want to see? Or let's do it in the road. You know, that's, those are, those are now two sides of the same coin. And so what you've got, because LGBT is a more conservative movement, they had to add the Q because LGBT isn't Q. So LGBT is straight. In these new definitions, they are the conservative voice of sex and gender discourse, more or less. And Q, queer, is the radical voice of sex and gender discourse. Neither side is right. Both sides have to hold hands and kiss.
0: Right. And I guess in my thinking in terms of uh polite conversation, like the more public conversation that we air, doesn't involve these queer elements, usually, like the queer conversations.
1: And that's what I think of the future of gender is that that the the increasing presence of that conversation as the radical enters the mainstream. uh,
0: Because it's those conversations I have with all of my friends that uh, we have in private. We don't have it publicly, usually.
1: Yeah. Okay. That's got to change.
0: Yeah. Well, I, we, I was talking about the future of gender and mentioned what I believe it is, which is the non-trans view. In terms of the future for trans people, I look forward to a future where they can walk down the street safely, where they're not stared at, and where gender ambiguity is not considered anything out of the norm.
1: Now you're assuming that people can read transgender people all the time.
0: I'm thinking of more of my non-binary friends and people who are right. people who are visibly trans. Correct. Okay.
1: So you're hoping for a pollinary system of gender where it's a playground as opposed to a battlefield.
0: Yeah. Yeah, me too. And I hope that we're heading there quicker than it's taken us to get to where we are now.
1: It hasn't taken that long. It's been less than 30 years, my darling. I'm 70. I just turned 70. And uh, in a blink of an eye, Time magazine was talking about a fucking tipping point. Really? I'm
0: going, holy shit. Um, See, I read that headline, the tipping point, the transgender tipping point, as being a tipping point about awareness and not acceptance. Interesting.
1: Okay makes more sense that way it makes more sense that way but I can tell you this that transgender people have taken it as acceptance um, okay now here I am accept me that's always been the way of a marginalized group when it becomes visible I I'm human just like you this was feminism women are people too uh, accept me, and there's nothing wrong with that. But but that's how it's being taken by trans people. Is okay, okay. I've reached the tipping point. Accept me, hire me, give me a job, give me, get, let me let me pay the rent, and that's not happening. Let me walk down the street safely without a bullet coming in my head.
0: Yeah, going back to sex for a second. Sure. <laughs> um you are 70 years old now uh-huh how has sex changed for you
1: uh, i am not chanting at the bit about it much anymore um
0: that's a black and white difference from what you wrote in your memoir when my memoir
1: stopped before i moved to new york and that was 20 years ago my darling sex has always been a wonderful wonderful energy for me and i've enjoyed playing with sex most all of my life and and i can mark it i can mark it to the point when i was getting uh chemotherapy and radiation uh in from 2012 through 2014 i believe me sex is not the first thing on your mind or even the last thing on your mind you're thinking how the fuck can i stay alive till tomorrow um and two years of that is basically It's celibacy, and I've really embraced an asexual stance at this point in my life. I'm going, okay, this is new uh and and at first i beat myself up for it i'm a failure i'm a failure in my relationship cuz you know my girlfriend is all about sex it's, it's she teaches sex she does sex and we've opened our relationship and i'm going okay all right I'm pretty fucking happy without it now well this is new um so that's 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 kind of where I'm at right now. I don't think I've ever really come out and said that before.
0: You seem very at peace with it. That's taken a while.
1: That's taken years. Yes, but I am.
0: Has that been as challenging as... Like gender like i I, I guess,
1: yes, I, so much of me was look how queer I am with sex, you know, fucking suck, and I'll s m, and honestly, you know uh, I think I could probably still do um uh, the master-slave thing but it really doesn't tweak me anymore and I slave was such an integral part of my identity oh my god to be of service and what I've done is I've now said okay I still want to be of service uh, that's kind of my that's what underlies every bit of my work um,
0: it's just not done in a
1: sexual scene anymore.
0: Looking at your life, everything that you have done and write, write about, it has gone against what society tells you is quote-unquote normal. So you are very open about how this like, slave aspect, being told what to do, excited you to your core. And um, there can be a stigma against listening to those feelings in you. And I also tie that connection to... A, like a stigma against like gender and, you know, being assigned male and expressing anything differently. And it sounds like you are always just listening to what you want to your gut.
1: There's a Buddhist koan. Koan is a Zen teaching story. They usually make no sense at all. Like What is the sound of one hand clapping is a Zen koan. And you're supposed to think about that one for, decades until you figure out how that really makes sense um i'm not going to give you the. there's no answer but but it's a it's a koan people teach the koan that's got me going has me had has had me going since the late 80s is this one the way you do anything is the way you do everything what the fuck what what that's the whole koan and if that's true then anything i do mindfully, is a rehearsal for anything else I want to do mindfully. Anything I do that I find satisfying is a pattern for anything else I might do that I would find satisfying. Sex and orgasm and Sexual service and bondage, uh, these were all one, and pain, oh my God. Um, you know, nothing like a single tail whip on, you, on, on your back. It's, ah, that's so, that's like exciting. So, all right, how does that translate? A great fucking conversation when someone makes a brilliant fucking point that hurts and is true. You go, oh, okay. Now I'm starting to get it. And there's a big difference between sex and sexy. I haven't given up sexy. I like that. That's fun. Um, but with my identity now, all right, for a long, long time, and, and maybe up till about six, seven, eight years ago, I was six feet tall. I'm 5'8 now. You know, old people shrink. And, you know, your spinal column, you know, gets, oh, well, there you go. That's a and lot. I've got scoliosis. I know, right? So, um, I'm little comparatively. I see myself as more little. And I'm old. Honey, you know, say, oh, 70 is the new 50. No, it's not. It's 70, darling. And so I'm old. And what I've tried since day one of cross-dressing was to be a lady. This was my mother's favored identity. I know it's, it's a matter of being gracious in any situation. And I've always tried to be a lady. So I'm little. I'm old. I'm a lady. I'm a little old lady. And this is what I enjoy being nowadays. I love walking down the street. And I put someone just yesterday with, hey, Grandma. I go, hey, baby. (laughs) This is great. And I can go, young man, might I have that seat? Oh, yes, ma'am. Thank you, dear. And
0: So um, that goes back to the playground
1: aspect of gender. Thank you. You know, people are afraid of getting old and age and sexuality. Uh, affects all of us oh my god i'm getting old i'm not sexy anymore maybe not but there's lots of different ways to be sexy i mean i used to wear leopard print skin tight gowns honey if i did that now uh, you know who likes seeing cellulite (laughs) no no nobody now i'm 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 dressing all hippie chic which is how I wanted to be when I was in my my late teens and my early twenties. I always wanted to be that cute hippie chick, and to me, that's a kind of a sexy. So you find what you're capable of, and you go, "Okay, I can do this." Old hurts. There's a great deal of pain in being old, I got to tell you. When I played King Lear in college, I, I was talking to my, my director. How, how do I really play age? I had played a lot of, you know, goofy old men on stage. I was a character. Oh, yes, I can play an old man, an old darling. And I didn't want to make it a caricature. How do I play age? And he says, well, and he was like 50-something. He says, imagine this. Every day you wake up and something new hurts. Oh. And you go through the day with these new pains and old pains and it affects how you move. And you go, oh, okay. All right. I get it. So age hurts, my darling. And with age comes a great deal of loss. Your kitties pass. Your dogs pass. Your friends pass your parents, your siblings, and there's a whole lot of goodbye. But the perspective that you have when you're old, talk with pretty much any older person and they'll say, I wouldn't change it. No, 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 not that part. No, no, I love being able to see the world the way I see it now. And I think this whole idea of loss and pain for me, the way you do anything is the way you do everything. Uh, it's rehearsal for that great big moment we all face and that's death. What could be more painful? What could be what greater loss than that great big fucking goodbye? And I I look forward to seeing that mystery. I look forward to being as conscious as I could be, as free from grabbing for life as I can be. Um, my mom, when I was like 14, 13, told me, she said, Albert, you know, when I go to sleep every night, I try to think of the exact moment I fall asleep I never can always right before I fall asleep or maybe oh my goodness I've been asleep but never the moment of falling asleep I think if I could see that moment I'd have a better idea of what death is that's never left me my fascination with death in my earlier years, up until I was uh, 40 or 50, took the form of suicidal thoughts, it took the form of suicidal ideation, took the form of suicide attempts. Um, it was a fascination with death. I'm still fascinated with death, uh, but I'm willing to rehearse for it.
0: And... Do you think still think about trying to kill yourself? no, I
1: don't i uh, in two thousand six, I wrote a book called "Hello Cruel World: Hundred and One Alternatives to Suicide for Teens Freaks and Other Outlaws that kind of cured me um,
0: It's one of the most realistic views on staying alive that I've seen. Because you say to somebody, if you like cutting and engaging in self-harm, do that if it'll keep you alive. And I think that that will make a lot of suicide professionals wince, but it's realistic.
1: Yes. And I also say, when you're cutting like that, try to learn to do it without anger and self-loathing. My cutting went from anger, frustration, self-loathing to... Uh, someone else cutting on me in a BDSM scene. And it went into great joy and sexual satisfaction. And, oh, look, I can bleed. You know, that was great. So, again, you transform. Because everything changes. Remember the fourth dimension of gender. Time. Time passes. Nothing stays the same. Not a goddamn thing. Everything changed your most cherished values shift and change. your body shifts and change. your notions of gender change all the time. Our conversation uh we've changed each other irrevocably. You well, know? you went, oh well, you know I think you, you, you tossed it off you know oh, i I think that you know that the 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 tipping point of gender wasn't so much about acceptance I went, oh. As it was awareness, and I'm like, "Well, that's new. Hey, thank you." Uh, did you know that when you learn something new, you grow brain cells? I did. Great. That's yeah, and that's why it feels so good to learn something <laughs> new. You go, "Woohoo!" It's 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 a hoot.
0: Yeah, I also am fascinated by that our brain can change shape, and the different parts of it can grow and shrink depending on what we do, depending on how long we look at our phone, certain <laughs> different things. Yeah yeah, yeah, yeah. I think it's incredibly inspiring, too, that you dealt with su- suicidal ideation for so long and you've done so much important work with your life and that you that has not stopped At seventy years old, you're making your Broadway debut. <laughs> yeah, that's huge.
1: Yeah, it is.
0: And the place called Straight White Men.
1: The play is called Straight White Men, obviously. I don't have the title role.
0: <laughs> uh, is it a trans role?
1: Uh, yeah, it's a surprise. It's, it's, a, it's a small part. Uh, there are two trans people in the play, Ty Defoe and myself. We set the framework for the play. Ah. So the play is set within a trans frame.
0: <laughs> Can I ask a question that is simple, but I'm not, uh, that I would like to ask? <laughs> Please. Um, Just because I think the gender is so complicated, but oftentimes we look for the most complicated answer when it is simple. And I wonder, you transitioned many years ago in the binary sense, from male to female. Had you not done that, do you think you would have been able to say as definitively as you did, I'm not a man and I'm not a woman?
1: I've thought about that. You You think about what if, what if, what if. Um... In my day, people hadn't, if I had not physically transitioned, but instead, and when I say physically, I mean hormonally and surgically, uh, but if I started living as a woman, okay, here's the thing, here's the thing, To to, 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 to make that question make sense. Gender expression and gender identity, two totally different things. Yeah. My gender identity, not man, not woman. My gender expression, pretty girl. I like being pretty. I like being sexy. It's just so satisfying. I like to make people smile. I like to make people wink at me. I think that's just wonderful. And I can still do it as a cute little old lady. Um. But if I had gone for my gender expression in the 80s, the only place for me, and this is where class enters into gender, would have been on the street. No job. Remember, that still comes down to non-binary folks, visibly, non-binary. Okay, queer and straight. Queer, gender fuckers, genderqueer. Straight, non-binary. I'm non-binary. I'm not genderqueer. I'm not visibly trying to mess up the signals because my gender expression is girl. Love it. Um, so because I was coming out of the middle class, I was living as an actor, and scene designer, and telemarketer at the time when I went through with my transition, and phone sex operator, um, I would have been able to continue working at phone sex. But that really didn't pay the rent. No, I was was running up credit cards in those days. And telemarketing, yeah. But even telemarketing, uh, it was hard to go and find a job looking like not man not woman
0: and i ask that really because nowadays there are people in the media you can find other non-binary people and we know that that is an option but back then it was like i'm not man i'm not woman i think like my response would have been like that's not a choice you have you know (laughs) yeah so to be able to think that and claim that to me is rather remarkable back then
1: Back then, the the question was, yes, the the response was, that's not a choice, but the question was, well, then what are you? And I'd say, I'm not man, not woman. No, but then what are you? I'm not man. I'm not woman. And I remember I was out on college tour someplace in the Midwest, and a young man stood up, and we did this back and forth for three or four minutes. That's a long time. I'm not man, not woman. Well, what are you? I'm not man, not woman. That's got to be satisfying. And you say the future of gender is when that question can be go, oh, okay. That's the future of gender. Not doesn't mean everybody is that. It just means, oh, I get it. Sure. No problem.
0: That is such a great place to leave it on. I have one more question, Mm. which is a simple one and involves a binary, actually, (laughs) now that I think of it. In your documentary, you say that your name is Kate Bornstein and you say your name is Kate Bornstein. Is one correct?
1: No. Growing up, it was always my father insisted on Bornstein. And my brother insisted, my older brother insisted on Bornstein. My mother and I would look at each other and go, whatever, just spell it right, dear. Uh, and that's how it is. Sometimes it comes out of my mouth, Bornstein. Sometimes it comes out of my mouth, Bornstein. I'm honestly unaware of it. And it does not matter to me. I do take offense when it's misspelled.
0: <laughs> so Kate Bornstein, not man, not woman, not Bornstein, not Bornstein. bless your heart thank you for doing this thank you and that's our show if you enjoyed the interview please help us to spread the word text your friends tweet about us write an article call your mom all these things are great ways to help new people find our show it is such a big help thank you for that We are broadcasting from The Advocate Magazine studio in Los Angeles. The Advocate is the longest-running LGBT news magazine in the country. It was founded in 1967, that is two years before Stonewall, and we are very excited to partner with them. You can also check out their other podcast, The Advocates, as well as Pride.com's podcast, Work. Special thanks to our partners at Panoply, our old home, TV, the Elon University in Los Angeles studio, Jason McMurdy, and everyone for listening. We'll see you next week.